Join us and unwind with a good book. Welcome to Relaxing Reads. Hi, it's Deb in Halifax. Hi, it's Simone in Vancouver. Hey, it's Tanya in Edmonton. Our latest read is Pebble and Dove from Amy Jones. A once famous but now abandoned aquarium in a ship in Florida is the backdrop for this novel of family secrets and dysfunction and the ways in which it can sometimes take an animal to remind us how to be human. This is a story of a family falling apart, only to be brought back together again by that unlikely champion, a 1,000-pound manatee named Pebble. Lauren's life is a mess with a teen daughter, Dove, who barely speaks to her. There are quite a few secrets. It's a little dark but very moving as they try to figure out how to choose between what's worth saving and what needs to be let go. Okay, ladies, your thoughts. How are you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot. So many feelings. There's a lot to take in. <laughs> so many feelings with this book. My goodness. A lot of different themes. Um, I don't know, just the dysfunction family. Like we're talking three generations of dysfunction in a family and about about animals you know a, a commentary almost I, I thought about animals in captivity and whether mm-hmm. you know whether that's a good thing whether that's a bad thing and uh, and a lot of interesting characters in this book as well I, I thoroughly enjoyed it from like page one to the end just kept going and going and going <laughs> yeah I quite loved it too I mean again I know I shared this over our chat I read this in two days and that's always a surprise to me when I can do that with a book but I just thought um, Amy the author did such a great job with kind of keeping you hooked like from little things like she would share a little bit about a character and then it would be you know the character in a situation and then suddenly you're like okay well what happens next you're kind of wondering you know uh, where she's going to lead you to with it for example when Lauren gets a text message and there's like one word in it and then she chucks her phone across the room and you're like that doesn't make sense and then you later find out what the text said when you see it in full Mm -hmm. so I thought she did a really good job of like you know explaining these little tangled histories and family secrets with this backdrop of the what's going on with this this um, manatee because we don't often talk about manatees but it was such an interesting story and even how it started with Ray speaking to Reina, you were like, what's happening here? I thought the characters were really interesting as well. And there was just enough that you could follow along with. I know some of our previous reads, they're multi-character books. And sometimes I feel like that kind of loses me. But I felt in this book, there was just the right amount with some some nice background characters as well rolled in. Yeah, I agree. The, the back and forth didn't uh, confuse me. And I think every time we went back to a different character or when we changed the you know the page and and we discovered something new about you know a character we'd already been introduced to you felt more for them and I guess because we were understanding them a little more each time we would go and focus on on their character and what was going on with them so I think she she played it out very well with each of the characters Absolutely. And and with the manatee, which played like a huge role in, in this novel. And I didn't know what a manatee was. So I actually had to look it up and go, what is it? And I found all these pictures online. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, that thing is adorable. <laughs> yeah, I can just, you know, when they talk about when her when she pops up and you see her face and how how Amy describes her eyes and everything. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's like you can see right into the into her soul, I felt like every time that little, well, 1,000 pound mammal 
popped up. <laughs> I just wanted to like I wanted to reach out and touch it. So I really connected with this this mammal, and I and I thought it was really interesting that um, that Amy created a character almost with this uh, with this mammal, and um, and I love you know Ray. Ray was uh, I don't know, I felt like he was just the storyteller kind of of this novel. It starts with him. It kind of ends with him and I and I loved his uh he has a, a really great great quote where he talks about um talks about Pebble and he says I've always believed that all God's creatures are searching for the same thing someone to be kind to them to treat them with tenderness to come to them at their level and I feel like Amy sort of like with the manatee it's like I think the characters are in her book are trying to to get that as well, someone to understand them. I mean, I, I certainly had a problem understanding Imogen, Lauren's mom. Like, how can she flit across the world and just abandon her daughter to her sister? <laughs> I don't know. How did you guys feel yeah. about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had those thoughts too, because as a mom, I'm like, I couldn't even imagine mm-hmm. being away for that long or or not you know, being with my kids, but then not everyone, I think we've had these discussions, is meant to be a mom. People can have childbirth and and create uh, a being, but sometimes you just don't have that motherly instinct. So it's hard to judge, you know, what someone goes through. And I know some moms, like it took them a while to connect, like maybe they didn't connect to their children when they were babies, but now when they're little people with personalities and you can actually talk to them, it's not just all sleep, diapers, what has my life become? It kind of changes for many and it seemed like she had moments she connected with her but her life and what she wanted to do didn't allow for her to have a child or she didn't want to make it work like you see a lot of I mean, the only one I can go off of is like celebrities. Like a lot of times, you know, you see someone like Pink and she brings her daughter on tour. She puts her daughter on stage with her. And the child is very much a part of this chaotic world of what mom's job is. And and she's brought in. And maybe there's other times she has to stay home and the celebrities have lots of help and things like that. But they can also fly back and forth and be with their kids. But I think for just a regular person, if you have to go off and that is your job and that's how you earn income and your child doesn't really fit into that world. It's it's tough and so nice that she was able to to have the support from her sister who never really understood it, but at the same time um, let her kind of have that path. But yeah, you see at the end, it's you kind of get to that realization as, of what what do you want from life when you get to kind of that end point? Will, will you be fulfilled with the kind of life you lived or will you go back and have regrets? Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I like your comparison to Pink because I wonder what it would have been like if she was able to take Lauren, take her daughter with her and, you know, perhaps have her sister there as that support on her hobnobbing and, you know, her work with the celebrities um, or if she had a nanny like so many celebrities do an extra hand to help out but part of me thinks that she didn't want her child there she didn't want her to be part of it I don't know if it was because she wanted to protect her or if she just wanted to have her life as it always had been and not to include her in that because then she wouldn't know how to roll with everything that was happening around her well, it's when she's she when Lauren told her she was pregnant, she was like, no, no, the child is going to ruin your life. Don't do it. And she's saying this Don't to her it. own mm-hmm. daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't have a relationship because of that. She told Lauren to give to not have not have her child. 
Yeah, and that's why yeah. I think Lauren was trying to create this picture-perfect family, and her daughter was calling her out and being like, Mom, no, this is not what I want. But she's just trying so hard to give her daughter almost what she didn't have, and it's almost like smothering because she just wants to do so much better than what she had. I think, you know, Imogen, you know, there's, there's a part in the book where she, when she's in Prague, which I, I love that because I've been to Prague and I've been on the Charles Bridge and I'm like, I totally get where you are. It's an amazing city. But she's doing her job and Lauren is there and she's and she says, you know, I never wanted a daughter. I wanted a son like men, like boys, men. I understand, but I don't get I don't get women. And then she says, you know, she thought that getting pregnant would raise the unease, unease in her life. Like, what do you think her unease was? I found it hard to understand her, I guess, at times. And I think maybe I'll have to ask the author <laughs> about that. But I just, you know, I thought that, uh, yeah, I tried, tried to, to understand Imogen, Imogen and um, at times I didn't. thought she was very selfish. Um, but then a little part of me kind of felt like in my own world that I didn't have children, I can be a little selfish too, you know, but I don't have a dependent other than my cats. Like I don't have somebody <laughs> who's leaning on me so I can kind of be footloose and fancy free. So I kind of get that with Imogen, but um, I don't know, that relationship I with wonder her daughter, if, that's messed up. Yeah, you said, Tanya, that like you don't get her, you don't understand her, but I, I mm. wonder if she really understood herself and is that mm. why, you know, she didn't want to have a daughter but maybe a son would change the outlook on a number of things in her life. Maybe she was still trying to process who she was supposed to be. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in this book. There's a lot. It just goes deeper and deeper. <laughs> you think you like, I'm going to you know, talk about this and what about this? And then you, you start kind of analyzing it and thinking about it after you've read it. And there's so many questions. I loved all the descriptions, too. Like, I tried to picture, I mean, I obviously the manatee, animals in captivity, that's always heartbreaking. But I thought, like, if this place existed where there was an aquarium inside a ship and the fish would just come in and out from the ocean and flow into the, the mm. ship and then roll out. And so it was like kind of a natural habitat. It would be beautiful if something like that was set up somewhere just for not those like bigger mammals and animals, but just like little everyday sea creatures. Wouldn't that be just so beautiful because it was like it would be like they could come as go go as they please but we could all see them yeah i would love yeah. that <laughs> i think i have that a big problem amazing. with with zoos and stuff i mean i i understand uh, you know i understand when when animals are you know going into extinction that we have to protect them and we have to set up breeding programs to try to to keep them on this planet but i i find it hard to go to any place that holds um, animals in mm. captivity because I just I the pacing the pacing and even you know in this book and and Amy writes about Pebble and she's at the bottom of this murky pool and she just goes around and around and around and you find out that she's like at the end of the book she's 80 yeah, yeah. she's been in that tank for 80 years I mean I I guess I'm trying to humanize her, but she doesn't think like a human, right? She, she but is there? I think there's a there's you know. Is there mm. comparison then to Imogen, like circling the mm. world and being oh. alone, and she ends up dying alone yes. as well in her trailer, and yeah. she's kind of left to her lonesome. And you think they're probably around the same age? I mean, I don't know what Lauren's age is, mm -hmm. but maybe around that time and. 
Yeah, like she wanted to be free, but maybe she really never was as free as she thought. Oh, I think you nailed it. Yes. Wow. Totally nailed it. <laughs> yeah, the comparison there. That's a, Hmm, yeah. And what did you think about the uh what did you think about um swaying palms? Oh, that's where I want to retire. <laughs> no I kidding, too. right? Even though like the trailer her trailer didn't, you know, needed some upgrades. Um, but it did remind me of a place that I would like to be. I don't know. It was very entertaining. Yeah, and I love this quote, like Lauren, when she's sort of, and she goes and gets drunk with these ladies, and of course, and and she's like, geez, I really just wish that I could get to a point, and Amy writes, that no longer gives a f*** what people think of them, right? (laughs) That Lauren wishes she, that she could fast track to that point, skip through all the middle stuff, and retire at at Swaying Palms, and I'm like, yeah, hello to that. I like to yeah. see these ladies who just like play shuffleboard, you know, like drinking all day, drinking all day. And oh, I love the, she... the marijuana for the, the oh, glaucoma, right? oh, I might have some too. Wanna... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when she first got these the invitation ladies. to play shuffleboard, I'm like, oh my God, what would I do if somebody asked me to play shuffleboard? I mean, you'd have to go, but how, uh, how amusing. And even yes. Carol, like yes. shooting her with darts. <laughs> She's on the lawn. Yeah. <laughs> like if you Carol. think about it, we would never do that to our neighbor now. But maybe in 30 oh, or no. 40 years when we've lived a full yeah. life and don't care anymore, we will be like, get off my lawn or I will shoot you with yeah. a dart. <laughs> <laughs> no, Carol oh is gosh. an interesting study, Dr. Harvey. It's an interesting, like I found as a reader, because you find out that, that Carol and Imogen were very very close yeah and then you know within like in the last two years they weren't and you're like always wondering like what happened what happened and then you find out that how you know how people can be so cruel Mm -hmm. to one another right Imogen was incredibly cruel in the things that she said to Carol and it's like no wonder Carol said you know f you I'm out of here yeah you go live your story little life you know and, yeah, uh, that's what I, I love. I, Carol, yeah. Carol's always writing up like these. The grievances. You know, <laughs> the grievances. <laughs> oh, my there's a gosh. point where, where it says, like, back in 2017, she was only allowed to write, like, one <laughs> grievance per week. I'm like, oh, my God, she is busy. Yeah. <laughs> well, think about it. If you're retired and you have nothing else to do, what are you going to do? You're just going to sit there and either just live your life or be annoyed at everybody else living their life, Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It gave her something to do, keep her mind occupied, just like a, a crossword mm-hmm. would do. <laughs> what did you mm-hmm. think? Um, I mean, we didn't get a lot of the storyline between Lauren and her husband. What no. did you think? I mean, did you feel like it was explained? Why did they just kind of grow apart? Like, what do you think happened there? I think that obviously when when people, when there's a couple... And one is always traveling. Um, a, a lot of people, my gosh, I, I know so many people that can make it work. But I think there is a point where you have to wonder how much longer can you continue to do it, right? Like the honeymoon phase can only last for so long. So I wonder if there was more to his story than than we learned. Um, but I also think that Lauren... Lauren just didn't see so many things. She was so preoccupied with Simone, you'd mentioned, you know, creating that perfect life that she didn't have. And and she was focusing on so many things, yet not focusing on anything. So I don't think that she recognized that there would be anything wrong with her marriage. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think they were so young mm-hmm. and, you know, they just, they never, I, I think they just stayed in that space. And I mean, it had something happened where maybe when, when Lauren went to Florida with her mom and, and, and uh, Imogen thought that maybe that would allow the breakup and it didn't really happen. And, and there's a really kind of poignant moment uh, in the novel where, where one of the, the ladies um, in Florida said, because Lauren's like, well, you know, Jace, Jason knows me better than anyone. And, and one of the women in the trailer park says, well, you know, just the people who've known us the longest aren't always the ones who know us the best because sometimes they never see the person as they are now. They just live as they were. And I think that's true. I think that can be true sometimes. Our, our friends and, and people that we're with when we were young, sometimes they don't let us grow up. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. what you choose to share with them. Like you could meet someone, have a few glasses of wine, and just share your whole life story. And then you could be Hello, with your partner. Because yes. yeah. <laughs> you just sometimes you're, you don't want that judgment or that they're not close to you. So they can't really know everything. But the people closest to you, they know you. They might want to make decisions for you or offer their opinions when sometimes you just want to be heard. Or maybe you don't mm-hmm. share as much with them and you do start to grow apart and it's like even with Dove and Lauren there was all these things Lauren didn't know about her own daughter and her daughter didn't know about her mom so it all just kind of came down to it yet they're together every day so mm-hmm. yeah 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 I really loved um Dove and and the kazoo account where she's posting all the videos and and um getting like 800,000 followers <laughs> on her videos of Pebble and just this community that was growing. And then it was it's heartbreaking for Lauren when she doesn't even know that her daughter is doing this. She doesn't even know her yeah. daughter was kicked out of school. She doesn't know her daughter was bullied. You know, there's just, wow, that that relationship between them is just so fractured, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fractured. yeah, I think she yeah. was a brilliant young uh, young girl. And uh, mm-hmm. she didn't have a chance or didn't feel like she had a chance to really let her her parents, well, in particular, her mom, know or want to share that with her. And then, you know, connecting with her grandmother and with this audience on her, her, her social platform. Yeah, it was, I, I'm sure it was a struggle for her because she wasn't connecting with her as much as she had hoped. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of our readers will find that, that some of this is happening in their own lives. You know, I'm sure there's points when your children get to be teenagers or young, young teenagers that they just sort of dismiss their parents and they have their own lives and their parents are like, I don't even know what's going on with them. They won't talk to me. I just, you know, they talk to their friends, they disappear, they're sullen, they're all of this. And a lot of that is happening in this book. Even with kids, sometimes they have like they're on social media and they have fake accounts. Like I had a friend who um, saw her daughter like had an account on Twitter and she didn't know. And the the daughter posted something like, gosh, I hate my mom right now. She's just being really terrible. And then the mom went and found her on Twitter, saw that message and was like, well, guess what? For being so terrible, I'm actually going to take your phone away. And she took her phone away because it's like, sometimes Ah. you don't know if they're creating accounts Mm -hmm. or, you know, doing things that you can't keep a watchful eye on. Yeah. And like kids are so, I mean, they just, they're not, they don't have the tools <laughs> to deal yeah. with stuff that happens, you know, in the adult world. And um, they just don't know how to navigate their way through some of the horrible stuff that can happen 
online, you know, it's kind of scary. If I were a mom, I'd be and like they, scared to death. <laughs> yeah, they react so mm-hmm. quickly and, and then they can't take mm-hmm. it back because it's online. It's out there. Mm-hmm. But it was mm-hmm. interesting how she pulled that video down because after the relationship yeah. with with yeah. Um, Pebble, Dove kind of came to that realization that that's not who she wanted to be. Yeah, she wanted to be associated with good things. Yeah. I like that. That was nice. You know, the relationship that she has with her mom, maybe they were so similar. I mean, sometimes you don't see that. I think I have a lot of similarities with my mom. And there were times when we would, you know, have a little squabble every once in a while and then just kind of walk away and think, wait a minute. But and then we, you know, we became better friends, I guess, uh, as adults. And looking back, I'm like, you know, we're a lot alike. And that's probably Mm -hmm. why we had a spat here and there. I think that's the thing with moms and daughters. It can be so, like, we can be the best of friends or, like, the worst enemies. And I think yeah. it's because we can be a lot alike. I think there's one point where Lauren, you know, comes back from Cal's house and she looks in the mirror and she's like, well, people change their faces all the time for, like, you know, for security or for, like, uh, when, when people change their identities, right? She's like, I wonder if I can get it done so I don't look like my mom. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, my mom and I were very close, but we also fought, you know, a lot because we were very similar. And I think maybe I didn't want to be like my mom. So I guess I can relate to I can relate to Lauren. I can relate to Dove. (laughs) Yeah. What did you think about the ending when uh, Pebble was transferred to a different aquarium and she no longer (sighs) heard an echo? What was that last line? I don't oh, have the book with me. Um, I have the last line. Do we want to say that or do we want to? I, well, we'll say it because it's, it's so powerful. It's like, you know, she circles like she's done her entire life. It's the only thing she knows how to do. And then she calls out again and waits for the echo in her new home. And then through the dark, not an echo, an answer. <gasps> it almost it made up. me want to cry. I want to oh, just. Yeah, I teared up. Oh, you know, I love I, animals I, so much. Like oh I sometimes gosh. prefer animals to humans. I and um, I just, I thing. just like, ah, oh, wow. I think a lot <sighs> of us do have uh, sometimes a better connection with the animal spirit than we do with, you know, our fellow humans at times. There's something, and, and I think Simone, you had mentioned earlier about, or maybe it was you, Tanya, sorry, um, you you look into the manatee's eyes and they were mm-hmm. able to see their soul and there was mm-hmm. you know some kind of unexplained connection that you have with these creatures who we share this planet with i think it's because animals aren't they don't have our brains right they're not complicated and yeah. I, they they are what they are and and every day i mean they say that every time doesn't mean anything to them and they mention that in the book too about what whether Pebble feels time or whether it's just one long, like they just, they're not like us. So I think with animals, we just sort of, they are the way they are and we just take them as that, you know, they're very true, I guess. They don't have any ulterior motives. (laughs) They don't. Yeah. And as hard as it is that she can't be freed because she doesn't know that life, Mm. this group of Ray and Dove were able to kind of bring her spark back. And now she's found someone to spend her last days with. Like that kind of gives you a little bit of of hope. But uh, yeah, it's sad, but it kind of turned beautiful in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to meet a pebble. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, apparently so there's, yeah, there's places can in we Florida, go to Florida and you can swim with them. <laughs> they're, should. Yeah, they're out in the open. Great. Oh, my gosh. Because like, I think yeah, like they say a thousand pounds and it's like, I can't even imagine. But then they seem like they're just so, they're just so adorable. Like they don't they say neither predator nor prey. They're a gentle giant, a gentle giant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good read. Nice, easy read Good. and makes you feel. Yes. And yeah, it was. I enjoyed it. Me too. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Now, this makes for the perfect time to speak with Amy Jones, who's the author of Pebble and Dove. Hello, Amy. Hi. So nice to chat with you. Hi. We loved your book. So we're excited to chat with you. We've got a list of questions. So, Deb, why don't you lead us off? Okay. We absolutely love, love, love Pebble and Dove. My goodness. Amy Jones, you really pulled out all of our emotions on this one. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. It's so nice to hear exactly what I was trying to do. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Back and forth with different characters. And each time we heard, you know, something new or learned something new, I think we really got into them, you know, what was going on with them even more so. But where did the idea come from? Um, It's sort of uh, like, I think a lot of my work, it came from like two different places. So, you know, I, um, I've always been really fascinated by humanities, which uh, is, you know, maybe a little strange <laughs> to, to say, but, um, you know, when I was, I spent a lot of time in Florida growing up and, you know, as an adult as well. And, you know, you see, they're, they're quite, they're just everywhere. When, if you're out on the water, you see them quite often. And I just thought there's so much that I love about them. They're so, they're just such interesting creatures because they, uh, you know, they have no predators naturally in the wild. Uh, other than humankind, I guess. And also they don't prey on anything. So they're kind of just like these chill hippies of the sea <laughs> who like float around and just, uh, they're very curious and playful and also quite resilient. So, you know, the more I learned about them, the more I thought that, you know, they had some really relatable qualities. Um, and at the same time, I was working on this uh, a story about like uh, an intergenerational family story of you know three generations of women. And I thought that the two would probably, you know, kind of work really well together. Um, so I kind of, tried to weave them in together and this is what it ended up ended up coming out of it (laughs) yeah speaking of the intergenerational storyline like you have lauren imogen and dove they're all such strong and engaging characters so was there one that was more difficult to write for or easier to write for in your in your case that's a great question um i started with lauren um and i think she was the hardest for a number of reasons one being she was the starting point so she was the one who I had to get to know first and who was kind of revealing the story to me as I got to know her. Um, she's also the type of, like, just in her nature, she's a little bit guarded as, as a character. As, and uh, so even, and, and I know it sounds, <laughs> sounds a little strange because I'm the one who made her that way, but um, it was a little bit hard to, like, break through that shell a little bit and get to know her um, the way I got to know the other characters. And I actually started out just writing from her point of view, um, and then, uh, you know, most of my, my previous books as well have been uh, sort of told from multiple points of view. So I thought this time I really want to write something that's just in one point of view. But the more I started writing it, the more that the other characters started um, kind of just, you know, wanting to tell their own story. So I think because she has such a preconceived idea of how, you know, her, especially her mother and her daughter, like who they are, which isn't necessarily... Um, always accurate. <laughs> I think the other characters kind of, you know, they were like, no, I want to tell my story. I have to tell my side of this. So um, writing 
writing Dove came next, and um, that sort of came really easily to me because I think in some ways I still have the mind of a teenage girl. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and then Imogen was last. I kind of brought her in at the very end, and uh, she was also a little her, – her voice came a little bit more easily to me just because, you know, I had already seen her through – uh, so many other different lenses. So when the time came for her to tell her own story, she was like, I knew her pretty well already. Um, so really, it's just like the getting to know the characters that it's, that can be hard, especially when they're the type of character that doesn't really want to let people in. Mm-hmm. Amy, what about Ray and Reina? I mean, that mm-hmm. that was sort of like I get, you know, I get Ray's connection with Pebble. And I just, it's so beautifully written. But then there's this okay. other side of, of Ray's home life falling apart. He and his wife, you know, Reina has gone through three miscarriages and and it's just it's so heartbreaking to read. So his story in amongst the other stories, like how did that all come about and and what were you trying to sort of focus on by bringing him in and and talking about his life both at home and also with his relationship with Pebble? Yeah, so uh, when I first sort of conceived of writing about Ray, like he, he was always in the book just as he didn't have his own chapters. But, you know, I started thinking about how I really wanted to have, like, a different perspective on Pebble specifically and sort of to understand her, her, her history and, you know, sort of what her life was like um, through a different perspective. And I was really resistant to writing anything from her point of view. Um, <laughs> I had a suggestion mm-hmm. that maybe, you know, maybe if, to, bring in that, to bring in that sort of flip side um, to showing like not only the, her life but the aquarium and and sort of how that um, like the rise and fall of, of that whole um, that whole thing was was sort of like yeah well maybe you could do it from the manatee's point of view and I thought no I didn't really want to do that and then obviously um, I did relent a little bit at the very end and bring in a mm-hmm. one, one chapter from Pebble's point of view but you know I thought well you know wouldn't it be interesting to see this through her caretaker's eyes um, and when I started writing mm-hmm. his story, I didn't just want to make him um, be, uh, you know, functional in order to show that story. So his story started to come out a little bit more. And I also sort of thought of it as like, you know, in some ways, the flip side of um, of, of Imogen in some ways, because you know, Imogen had, um, and Lauren as well, both, you know, decided, uh, you know, they, they made different decisions about what how they wanted to uh, enter parenthood. And uh, Ray and Raina were never really given that decision. So I wanted to sort of look at, you know, that aspect of, uh, of parenthood as well and how there's so many different, um, so many different permutations of how, like, everybody in this world relates to parenthood, whether they have children or not. Yeah, it is very complex. And I really loved how you did that because I was thinking of that when I was reading going, well, there's Ray and Raina who desperately want a child. There's Imogen who had a child and thinks it ruined her life. And then there's Lauren who wants to be the mom that she never had. And yet Dove is like, yeah, whatever. You know? So, yeah, it's really interesting. (laughs) Really compelling. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) I think um, one of the characters or a lot of stories, the backdrop, the setting or the location can become a character as well. And I think that the Swaying Palms trailer park um, was one of them. And it, it is so familiar. We've all agreed that we need to go there. We need to be there. <laughs> yes. Um, but I have recently had a conversation with a friend whose parents are getting ready to go to Florida. They're snowbirds. And mm-hmm. just hearing them talking about this 
place, this community they've been going to for a number of years. Really, as I was reading about this, I'm like, oh my gosh, those characters. I know those characters. I know that's who they are. <laughs> so yeah, it, it felt very familiar. That's that's so good. I think that, you know, there's so many communities like that in, in Florida. Um, you know, I did base Wayne Palm specifically on um, the place that I've been going since a child, when I was a child, and it was originally owned by my grandparents. And, uh, you know, when I was little, we would go down. And at that time, most of the inhabitants were uh, Canadian. So my grandparents um, are from Nova Scotia, and they and some of their friends um, bought trailers there in the 60s. Um, so it has been going for quite a while. Um, and then over the years, it's slowly morphed into, I don't think there's too many Canadians down there anymore. It's mostly Americans, but it's, there's still like a few people who were around when my grandparents were. Um, and then when they passed away, they passed it on to my parents and my, to my dad and his brothers. So we spend a lot of time down there, like more so now, um, because they're down there for most of the winter now. My parents have now evolved into snowbirds as well. So when I started writing, I mean, I knew that I was going to set the story in Florida, and when I started writing about the trailer park or the, the mobile home community, as they would refer to it, um, <laughs> I, I didn't even realize that how much I was modeling it on, on that particular community. Um, and in, in particular, the trailer, um, <laughs> Imogen's trailer is like exactly like my parents' trailer. Like, oh. like the little <laughs> really? boy. Yeah, the, the, the rock that has to go in front of the door and the, the <laughs> wrench that you need to turn on the shower. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, they've, they've done some work to it, but it's, it's basically the way it was since. Uh, since my grandparents bought it. So, yeah, and then I, I was looking it over. I was like, oh, well, that's, <laughs> I guess that's how it's going to go. Um, but I think, I, think, I think it does feel familiar to a lot of people because, yeah, there's, there's so many of those communities in Florida. And, uh, you know, the, even though every, everyone has its own sort of personality and character and, like, you know, it has its own politics and its own, you know, interesting people that live there, um, and quirks and stuff like that, they all have, sort of have the same overall feel a little bit. So, um, you know, I'm glad to hear that it, it did sound familiar, even though I was basing it on someplace specific. Did you ever come across any Carol Harveys in your time there with the <laughs> list of grievances? And <laughs> yeah, there's been a couple. In fact, um, yeah, the, the, um, the specific uh, incident that she refers to in her letter about the beverages by the side of the pool is something that actually happened. <laughs> oh! Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, there was like a whole thing. My my stepmom was like swimming laps and, and they were, she had like a bottle of water so she could drink to hydrate herself while she was exercising and someone complained because you weren't allowed to have beverages within like five feet of the pool or something like that. Oh, she, my. So she said, yeah. So, I mean, most of the time, I mean, I think it's like anywhere, right? You have like, bring a bunch of different people together then some people are going to be real um, sticklers about rules and some people are going to be a, a little bit more lax and I think you know a lot of times those communities can be protective as well like because even though you know you're allowed to like have your families there and stuff like that for a certain amount of time it is a retirement community and you know a lot of people sort of want things to be quiet and peaceful and <laughs> just mm-hmm. sort of like you know live in a particular way so I mean you have to sort of take all of that I think with a little bit of grain of salt and a little kindness um, which I was ho- kind of, you know, wanting to display by like, you know, that that was kind of why I decided to write a chapter from Carol's point of view, because, you know, she was kind of such a, you know, a curmudgeon throughout the whole book that I wanted to kind of show that, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a reason behind it as well, um, through mm-hmm. her 
chapter and also through, um, you know, revealing a little bit about her and Imogen's relationship. Yeah, at first she wasn't very likable, but it was nice to see that part of her when she's like to Dove. She's like, let's go. I'll take you there. And she kind of she kind of softened a little bit in that time. So that was that was nice to see. I I love the part where she like she programmed. She bought a remote and programmed (laughs) (laughs) to like Imogen's TV and like messed with her by playing different shows. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she has way too much time on her hands. Yes. Of course she does. Yes, All I of think, them do. All of them do. I think that's, that's part of it, too, right? Is Especially if you're used to, you know, having a family or working or whatever it might be. And all of a sudden, you're just like, every day is kind of the same. And some people really thrive in that. And some people get really bored and antsy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love Frank and him building like all those things because he got bored. Yeah. So he just exactly. gets up and builds these weird sculptures. Yes. <laughs> And then you got the <laughs> shuffleboard ladies day drinking, having some yes. marijuana for oh their supposed God. glaucoma. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so fun. Oh, that, that resonates I want to go there. I've never, yeah. <laughs> I've never been to Florida, and I totally want to go to Florida after reading this book. Like, oh, totally. Yeah. Especially that sunset, the way you describe the sunset. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I didn't know. I didn't know about the sunset. So I need to go. Seriously. Uh, it's funny because on the Gulf Coast, like the sun sets over the water um, and on a lot of the beaches, you'll see like people wait for the sunset and then they applaud, which I think is really cute. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Or, like, That's cool. People plan their weddings on the beach right at, right at sunset. So you see a lot of weddings as well. Yeah, it's really, it's really lovely. Like I know Florida gets, there's some like negatives about Florida for sure. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think it's a bad rap, but like, but like generally I think it's such a beautiful place. Like um, just the nature there is just so different from you know what we have up here in Canada so I think you know it's just Mm -hmm. like if you go there and you can appreciate it for what it is I think it's and uh, you know obviously it's also you know nice and warm for freezing up here so yeah (laughs) Amy Amy, I have to ask you are those ants real like are those the ants that crawl up Lauren (gasps) that actually happened to me that was something that oh my goodness I, I didn't step on it but I I was getting out of a kayak and I put my hand down to like help myself out on the ground and then um, I put my hand right in the fire ant hill (gasps) I looked down and I just saw them I was like why is my hand turning red (laughs) so can you like shake them off or do you do they not fall off no I shook them off um, and then I put my hand immediately in the water but I still have like I probably had about 50 bites like all over my hand and like my forearm oh my gosh they weren't, um, like, they're not um, venomous, I don't think. <laughs> I was too scared to Google it. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen to me. <laughs> they turned into, like, they look like little blisters, like little pustules all over my hand for, like, a few days. It was, yeah. And I think I was just, like, pulsing from the adrenaline of it. So I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah, yeah. But they're all, yeah, you have to be really careful. Like, they're, like, it, I mean, it's the thing about nature there, right, is it? it's, like, it's just so pervasive. Like it will try to get into your house. It will be all over you all the time. So you really have to like also be on guard, especially if you're spending any time outside, like, you know, on the water or, you know, in, in the, in the woods or anything like that, you really have to sort of be a little bit more on guard than you would here. I think. Yeah. Mm. Amy, is there something that no one has asked you yet about the book that you wanted to share? (laughs) You know, I've been really, I've been racking my brain about this one. Um, And, you know, I honestly, I don't think so. Because like, really, you know, once I put a book out into the world, 
I never know how people are going to respond to it or the things that are going to be interesting to them or things that they're going to want to talk about or things that they'll pull out of it. And often I don't even know sort of what the themes are that I'm dealing with until readers pull them out. And so one of my favorite things is just, you know, having these kinds of conversations and seeing what kind of questions people come up with. I guess, like, you know, my favorite thing to talk about in relation to the book are are manatees <laughs> um, yeah. because mm. I love talking about like the relationships and the characters and stuff like that as well. But I did so much research into manatees. So I know so many um, random manatee facts and just like um, learn so much about their history and how, you know, they right now they've, for instance, they have for a long time, they were on the endangered species list. Um, and then they've just been, I don't know if they say downgraded or upgraded, but they've sort of been delisted, I guess is the word that they use uh, from the endangered species list, even though their numbers are still like really declining a lot, um, mostly due to like outside factors, like, um, you know, sort of human made factors. Uh, the depletion mm-hmm. of the environment is a big one. Um, you know, they, they primarily eat seagrass. That's like they're pretty much their whole diet and seagrass populations are depleting really rapidly because of, you know, rising ocean temperatures and things like that. So I really just you know, I, I guess I just like to try to get the word out about, you know, things that we can do to help manatees. Um, yeah, one in Florida is also uh, their relationship with boats because they are naturally really curious and playful. And I know when I've been out kayaking, you know, they'll come right up to your rudder and they'll like, you know, boop their nose against your rudder because they just want to know what it is. They're like, this is especially like the younger ones. And of course, you can't do that with a powerboat. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, so the like older manatees that you see in the wild will have dents on them actually from propellers. Oh, um, it's really oh my common. gosh. Yeah. So, you know, they've been, there's, of course, there's been like this year, decades long battle between um, like uh, conservation groups trying to get boaters to slow down. And, but of course, Florida, Floridians love their boats, <laughs> so they don't want to slow down. Um so, yeah, there are areas, though, that, um, you know, they're, they're making more protected areas for, for manatees where, you know, boats have to, they have to go slow or they're not, no powerboats are allowed. So, so, yeah, that's, you know, some steps in the right direction to helping them. But really, I think just getting the word out there about manatees, their importance uh, to the ecosystem and also, you know, just the things that we can do to help them mm-hmm. uh, thrive a little bit more. And if you're not out kayaking, and hopefully you're not in a boat that comes too close to them, um, are there other areas where you can see them from shore? You know, to oh, yeah. to just kind of take them, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they like um, they like really sort of shallow water. So anywhere on like the intercoastal waterway in Florida, you you can see them. Sometimes they're just hanging out at the end of people's docks, just you know, just relaxing. Um, a lot of the viewing areas actually that they have for them in Florida. Um, in the winter, they tend to congregate around like power plant outflows where the water is warm. So you'll see like sometimes like dozens of them congregating around in these like areas that they've actually now designated. It seems weird to have that relationship with like a power plant, but there are areas yeah. that have been designated um, as like protected areas for manatees because that's where like the warm water is coming out. So they tend to congregate there, and also in because they can actually live in like brackish water as well. So there's like Blue Springs or like Crystal River, Homosassa. Those are all like manatee protected areas where they tend to congregate in the winter because the water is warmer. And you can just like, you know, walk up. They, they actually, I think at, um, at Crystal River, they have um, like a viewing area where you can actually go underground and there's glass and you can look out and 
see them like from underwater, which is really cool. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's mostly like you'll see them. It's usually from like around this time of year until like March is like the best season for viewing them. Um, and then they tend to disperse once the water gets a little bit warmer and they travel a little bit. So they do migrate a bit north. You know, sometimes people have seen them in like the Carolinas and, and Georgia and stuff like that. So they tend to disperse a little bit in the summer months, but in the winter months is the best time to get down there and go see them. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. So Amy, what's what's next for you? We also thought this could maybe turn into a motion picture. The story was so great. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> I mean, I, I always tend to see when I'm, when, I'm reading, when I'm writing, I tend to sort of see what's happening, playing in my head as if it's a movie. So I definitely have, uh, have thought of it. I, I, I'm not sure how, I guess now with like, with CGI, they might be able to like, <laughs> make a manatee. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that would be great. And, you know, in the meantime, I'm just going to, just going to keep writing. I've got a new novel in the works. Uh, this one has nothing to do with uh, sea creatures. <laughs> be about relationships between women, because that's sort of, that's my wheelhouse. That's the kind of stuff that I'm interested in writing about. Well, we look forward to reading that uh, when that comes out. <laughs> great. Thank you. Thank you, Amy, so much for your time today. I great. really enjoyed yeah. reading it. Yeah, yeah great. Thank read. you so much. Yeah, thank and I want so I want to get up close and personal with a manatee now, <laughs> or at least you know maybe yes. cl- get close to something similar to pebble, whether that be in the the animal form or human form. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you know all of us have a little bit of, of pebble in us. That's what I like to think. <laughs> yeah, Aww. that's a nice Aww. thought. <laughs> thank you so much, Amy. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You as well. Take care. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for kicking back and relaxing with us. We hope you'll join us again on Relaxing Reads.